I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. (laughs) You can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. 32 teams in 32 days, breaking down every team in the NFL, getting you ready for the 2021 fantasy football season. I am Neil Smith, joined as always by Steve Bonham. Hello. Oh, it's a beautiful, beautiful Saturday here, August the 21st. Uh, just in case anything we sound says, uh, just in case anything we say sounds dated, that would be why. Check out the wrap up show, which will be coming to update any takes that we may need to update. Uh, should be coming out that Friday, right before Labor Day weekend, right before draft weekend. Do not draft before draft weekend, if at all possible. We say this every year. This year is no different. And as always, we'll be referencing the Fantasy Pros ECR, as well as our own content at importantnonsense.com and importantnonsense.com slash Patreon. Check us out there. And if you like what you're doing, help us out. Help us keep the lights on here. And for $1 a month, one little dollar, you can get in as a Patreon at our lowest level to get access to our Discord. Uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, talk to us directly. Talk to the rest of our staff. If you have trade questions, you want somebody to look at your team, anything like that, we'll be happy to help you out or just talk about fantasy football in general. So today, Steve, as, as, we, as, as I'm sure they read in the title, much like yesterday and every other day, we're going to talk about the New Orleans Saints. And, oh, man, this is going to be a different show than uh, than other shows from the last several years here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to kind of this is going to this is possibly going to take a little while. And uh, hold your nose, folks, because this is not your uh, your Saints team of yesteryear of lore. So let's catch people up in case they might have missed it. Uh, end of last season, Drew Brees announces his retirement. And we look forward to watching Drew Brees on television, which is where uh, he will be going. So that creates quite the conundrum now. We've been waiting for this for a number of years, and it seems like that's the the biggest news. There's one other piece of news we'll get to a little bit later, but that's the biggest change. And there's been a few others, but that's the that's the headline. So stepping up to try and fill the massive shoes left by Drew Brees is uh <laughs> well, how the how how this is this is not easy to say. It's Jameis Winston, folks. He was there last year in 2020. He was holding the clipboard for Drew. Folks who've played football for fantasy football for quite a while will remember Jameis Winston as Mr. 30 and 30. 30 touchdowns to 30 interceptions. And he put up massive. Jameis Jameis Winston has never met double coverage that he wasn't willing to throw into, folks. Uh, So you you get some extreme highs and some really sad lows. But it usually ends up netting to a whole lot of points for uh, for fantasy football purposes, and this is where this is where it's also it gets muddy. Taysom Hill is still there; they extended him, and he is effectively quarterback one B, one A. It's hard to say. What we do know is definitely necessary. Yeah, that's the thing. Nobody knows right now. What we do know is that Jameis Winston will be starting their preseason game for the second preseason game on Monday on Monday night. Yeah. And uh, 
please, Jameis, I'm begging you. This is just a personal appeal. I'm begging you, please don't play bad. <laughs> please go out and win that job in that game. Because Steve, I'll just turn it over to you here because we're just going to have to have an open forum about this, I think. Because how do you personally view this whole situation? I think that Jameis Winston ultimately does win the job and become the starter. I think that last year we all kind of went in assuming that it was Drew Brees and then it was going to be Jameis number two, no matter what. Like, why would you sign Jameis Winston and bring him in if he wasn't going to be your backup quarterback? And then Drew Brees got hurt. They played for four weeks without him and Taysom Hill was the starter the entire time. And that was really weird. And we all thought, okay, if it is going to be Taysom Hill, it's not going to be that good because he's not really like a true NFL quarterback, right? Well, he had like a 75% completion percentage during that time because he never throws it more than like five or 10 yards. So he was effective in what he did, but it was for that short period of time. Like prime example, the Wildcat. For so many years in the early 2000s, Wildcat was the fad of the NFL, the copycat league, because it was effective until defenses could figure it out. And then once defenses figured out how to stop it, nobody runs the Wildcat anymore. This is the same deal with Taysom Hill. It will be extremely effective for a small sample size. It will be extremely useful for a short period of time. But eventually you have to have a quarterback that can stretch the field because if you're just going to have a guy who can only throw it five to 10 yards on every play, then defenses are just going to hone in on that. And you're never going to be able to win games that way. I think what's ultimately going to happen is Jameis wins the job. He's the true starter, but Taysom Hill will still rotate in for 10 to 15 snaps a game at quarterback to run the wildcat, run different plays and throw the ball so I think he's still going to have a role. He's still going to do something, but ultimately it's Jameis's job. The problem is we won't get confirmation on that probably until week one. They're going to put this off as long as they can. Well, it behooves them to do so. Mm -hmm. it, it creates a problem for prepping to play them. So you're under no obligation to tip your hand or tell anybody what you're doing. So why would you? But this just gets into it. it it's so muddy, right? Yeah. And it 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 drags down everything that's going on fantasy wise with the Saints because there's just it's a clear fork in the road. I hope you're right and that Jameis Winston that's how it goes that's how it goes, but I have concerns about the man calling the shots, Sean Payton, and what he's going to do because he seems very willing to just let Taysom Hill go out there and be their their quarterback effectively. Right. And it's 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 scary because it it changes how you'd have to evaluate certain skill position players. So realistically speaking, though, I think the one thing that is, is clear from this mess is that realistically, because of all this confusion and turmoil for fantasy purposes, 12 team redraft, as always, the PPR, this, this is not something to invest in, in a draft, neither guy really would yeah. be something. Yeah. You can't draft it because you don't know who's going to be the starter. And I hope you're correct that it is Jameis Winston. And if we got clarity on that, I would be fine rostering Jameis Winston as a quarterback on my team. You know what I mean? And what you described, by the way, wouldn't be different than what we've seen the Saints do the last couple of years with Drew Brees. Taysom Hill ran in there 10 to 15 plays a game by the end 
just to get just to change the offense up because also Drew was getting up there and he couldn't he couldn't really get through the whole game in like a clean manner. So they were doing that anyway. So I would be fine with that. I think that would be predictable enough that we could as a as a website and as a fantasy industry kind of adjust to work that out and it would we'd know how to recommend the Saints to you. But if it's not that and it's Taysom Hill the whole time, to your point, it's going to be a lot of five, 10 yard dump offs and a lot of running of the ball, which we didn't really mention. Taysom Hill is built like a tight end and he's very prone to just his first reads not there. And he just immediately rips the ball down and takes off. Yeah. And it's very effective as far as his fantasy numbers for the day go. Mm-hmm. But as far as any of his guys that are on his team, skill position wise, it makes all of this very hard to want to trust or deal with. Right. So our recommendation, I think, is going to be just stay away from the whole mess, frankly, as far as drafting goes. And then whichever one emerges with the job, go ahead and get invested, you know, through the waiver wire. If you need help at quarterback, if you come out of the draft a little light at QB, that's what I would do. Good weekly streamer, potentially, but not somebody I want to use a draft pick on, even though you can have it for free. Still not something I'm interested in. Yeah. And both of us are hoping that it's Jameis Winston with the job and then Taysom comes in to do the the Tim Tebow stuff. Yes. He looks a lot like Tim Tebow. I know it's not the best comp because he's a lot better than Tim Tebow mechanically, but it plays like Tim Tebow to the eye. It's a lot of running around and throwing. It's just the passes coming out of his hand are a little bit better, but it's the same idea. And to your point, you'll eventually get killed doing that. I referenced the, the career of Tim Tebow. Defense has figured that out, and that was the end of that. But let's let's move past quarterback here and just set that up for the audience to understand why how it impacts the skill position guys that we need to talk about. And you know, one of the, the things that hasn't changed is what matters, and what matters is Alvin Kamara. He's top five pick every year, has been for a long time now in this league, and he's a PPR monster. I mean, for so long, a huge part of that offense has been dump offs to Alvin Kamara. He makes three people miss and scores. Yeah. Uh, and he's totally still capable of doing that. None of us have our feeling, none of our feelings have changed about Alvin Kamara, the player from a skill talent wise position. He's one of the most electric players in the league. That hasn't changed at all. It's just now he doesn't have Drew Brees throwing dump offs to him throughout the game. Jameis might be doing it but what's more worrying is if Taysom Hill actually gets that job which let's let's kind of set that up so Steve we've talked about it in the pre-show and at various points throughout the season mm-hmm. when Taysom Hill was the quarterback you definitely noticed a dip in production as far as Alvin Kamara goes right right mm-hmm. so do you have the fine numbers on that handy I, I do so uh Alvin Kamara just so we know again he's a top five pick that we've talked about for years. And right now in ADP, he is the RB3 off boards in PPR scoring. And rightfully so. Last season in only three games played, uh, Christian McCaffrey was averaging 30.1 points per game and was the number one running back in points per game. However, eliminating Christian McCaffrey because of that sample size in the 11 games that Drew Brees was the starting quarterback Alvin Kamara had 29.2 points per game and again that's in 11 games of a sample size that was five points better than Dalvin Cook for the season on a points per game basis in the games when 
Breeze was the starter. Now, again, far and away the number one running back. However, in the four games when Taysom Hill was the starting quarterback, his rushing numbers were almost identical. His rushing numbers per game and his fantasy points from rushing alone, almost identical. Even the touchdowns, almost exactly the same. But it was the checkdowns. It was the number of targets and the number of receptions because he went from eight and a half targets per game, six and a half receptions per game with Drew Brees as the starting quarterback to only four targets per game and two and a half receptions. So cut everything basically in half, more than half in terms of the receptions. So with Taysom Hill in the lineup, he went from 29.2 points per game to 14.2. Now, even still, 14.2 is good enough to be RB16 on a points per game basis. But that is not what you're looking for if you're investing a top five pick in Alvin Kamara. It's still good. I mean, that's still a solid floor to say that your worst case scenario is he ends up as an RB2. But when you're spending a first round top five pick on him, it makes it very, very risky. Absolutely. And so and it's also a function of we just as we teed up, we won't know who the starting quarterback is until functionally the season starts. They're not in all likelihood, they're not going to tell you. Right. And if it's Jameis Winston, I don't worry about a lot of that. You know what I mean? He'll still throw the dump offs. We saw that when he was in Tampa. Like, I'm not worried about Jameis Winston cratering, you know, Alvin Kamara the way that Taysom Hill would. And that's the concern here. So, I mean, given all of that and the uncertainty, Alvin Kamara is still my RB3 in my personal rankings. How about yours? Yep, me as well. He's projected as RB6 on our website. And that's largely a function of the Taysom Hill stuff that he even fell down those couple spots. But we just need to let everybody know that if you're going to go ahead and go back in with Alvin Kamara as your your lead running back as a top five pick, there is a chance you get burnt on that. So if you're a risk averse type of person, and it's weird to say this sentence, if you're a risk type, if you're a risk averse person, maybe stay away from Alvin Kamara. Right. right. What a weird sentence. Yeah. That is, uh, it's not something I thought I would ever be saying, but it's kind of true this year in standard redraft. I might want to walk away from it because the high is still there, but the floor is now RB2. So scary, scary stuff. But beyond that, in the running back room, for now, they still have Latavius Murray, who (laughs) there's a weird report going around that he's actually battling for the last last running back spot, and Mm -hmm. he might not even make the team. They also signed Devontae Freeman, who is two years younger uh, than Latavius Murray. And he right now is the third running back, effectively, in that room. And then beyond that, they don't really have anything else that matters because the only other running back they really have is Ty Montgomery. And Ty Montgomery is only on that team if something was to happen to Alvin Kamara. It's the only reason he's even there. So I'm not worried about any of that. You're not worried about anybody coming in to disrupt anybody's job as far as Alvin Kamara is concerned. But Latavius Murray, for the longest time, has been the clear Alvin Kamara handoff. And as we talked about on other shows, he's one of those guys that falls in that tier of guys that are a handcuff, but also kind of have their own job. Yeah. And so it's a little strange that Latavius Murray might be on the bubble here. But let's just talk about them both simultaneously for a moment. We would agree 
here on this show that you probably want. You would likely be interested in whatever the other running back is in New Orleans still, right? At a certain level? Uh, <laughs> I It depends on who it is, really. Like, if it's Latavius Murray, I think the answer is yes. But if it's if it ends up being Freeman or Montgomery or Washington, probably not. Okay. I ju- they're just... What makes Murray so appealing is that he is so effective and efficient with the touches that he's given going back to those same split numbers. Yeah. This is where I wanted to go. So let's even with Alvin Kamara playing and drew Brees starting in the lineup, Latavius Murray was averaging 8.6 points per game on his own. Now grant. So 8.6. You're talking about an RB three. So a flex type territory, but that's still, decent enough and a role enough that he's giving you decent value there. Whereas when Taysom Hill was playing, it only moves up slightly to 10.2. But the reason for that is normally when you have those checkdowns to Alvin Kamara with Drew Brees, or in this case, we're assuming Jameis Winston, when Taysom Hill is in the lineup, those checkdowns just become natural runs. And those extra run plays, like I said, for Kamara, the running numbers are exactly the same. But for Murray, he's getting more carries with Taysom Hill in the lineup than he was with Breeze, or in this case, it would be Winston this season. So that slight bump up makes him a higher rated RB3, not quite RB2 territory, but a higher rated RB3. So uh, he still has a role. He's still effective. He's still somebody that I would want to target later in drafts because, like you said, he has top 10 value and he's cashed on top 10 value if Alvin Kamara misses time. But that's that's the biggest thing. That's where his biggest value is. No matter who the quarterback is, you're really just banking on he's the handcuff to Kamara and you can book it. Right. And so this is why it's worth discussing, right? Because he himself is an RB3 who has top 10 upside if something was to happen to the main the main entree in Alvin yeah. Kamara. And that's great. It's just now with these reports coming out around, hey, he's like a bubble guy suddenly because he's 31 and we're taking a long look at, at Devontae Freeman and we got some other guys we want to evaluate. Yeah. I was I would not be drafting. I would be willing to draft Latavius Murray either as the Alvin Kamara owner as a handcuff or potentially as somebody who's just kind of thin at running back and and maybe needs like some insurance somewhere. I'd be interested in Latavius Murray, whereas I I would need to see Devonta Freeman do it. Mm-hmm. I would not be willing to draft Devontae Freeman. I would Correct. let him yeah. I would let him out on the waiver wire. Well, and, and that's a key distinction here too, is as I just mentioned. Even with Kamara playing, Murray had a good enough role that he was in flex consideration on a weekly basis. As of right now, in ADP, Latavius Murray is running back 49 in the 13th round. He is virtually free, and he is a guy that will have weekly flex value in PPR leagues and is a top 10 running back if Alvin Kamara misses time, and as we said, even if Ta- if Taysom Hill, for whatever reason, becomes the starter, then his value just gets even better. So the only reason that you'd be out on Latavius Murray is if he doesn't make the team. And when you're talking about the 10th through 16th round of your draft, those are all dart throws anyway. 
at that point, your full starting lineup should be set outside a kicker and defense. So you're just looking for upside guys, and there's not many upside guys better than Latavius Murray. Exactly. And so I have Latavius Murray at 42 in my uh, in my actual rankings. And mm-hmm. for, as our website, as far as a projection, uh, he clocks in at RB44. So the fact that he's getting yeah. slept on down at RB49 as far yeah. as ADP, I'd be more than happy to roster yeah, Latavius. I've got him at 38 right now. So... He's in that ballpark of guys where they have a role for sure established on their team. And again, your worst case scenario is he gets cut, doesn't make the roster, and then he was your 12th or 13th round pick. You cut him yourself and replace him with someone off waivers. It doesn't matter. Exactly. So it's weirdly, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to recommend Latavius Murray and (laughs) we've preached caution on Alvin Kamara. That's not normal. Oh, it's a weird it's yeah. a weird year, but people don't know what to do with, with a lot of this. So mm-hmm. it's creating some values in weird spots. And Latavius Murray happens to be one beyond that. There's not much else to cover at running back. So I'd suggest we move just right into wide receiver here. And we, I, I teased it a little bit at the beginning of the, uh, the show with with so another news story. And that news story, once again, unfortunately centers around Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. It's a weird thing. He got hurt last year because Sean Payton was trying to run up the score in week one and managed to get Michael Thomas injured as a result of it. That's right. I said it. Fight me. Uh, it's, it's, uh, that's what happened, folks. Michael Thomas gets hurt chasing points in week one in a game they were winning handily for whatever reason. And uh, for what, again, bafflingly, he tried to rehab it and they didn't even have the surgery to correct what was wrong because they kept trying to rehab it until functionally what july of this year june so it's just weird it's really weird the the michael thomas situation gets hurt comes back last year did he did he even come back last year or did he miss the entirety of the yeah so what happened was he got hurt in week one he had a foot injury foot slash ankle and they essentially told michael thomas like you could have surgery right now, but it would end your season. We need you to try to rehab and come back because this is Drew Brees' last year and we're trying to win it all. Like this is our shot. We're pushing for it. So we need you to rehab and come back. Then he rehabbed. He came back. He played for a couple of games with Taysom Hill as the starting quarterback because uh, Breeze was hurt at that point. He re-aggravated the injury, got hurt again, missed the remainder of the regular season. He came back in the playoffs and played very briefly, but then they shut him down and he missed the remainder of the season. They ultimately, of course, lost uh, and didn't make it any further. So well, you would think that he would have the surgery at that point, right? Once right. he got shut so down. So the idea was that he should have the surgery at that point. Um, But they said, we want you to have surgery now. He said that he wanted to get a second opinion about what surgery he should be having and when he should have it. Because since they told him that he should be rehabbing for the, for the Drew Brees retirement tour, basically uh, he said that he lost faith in the, the medical staff and the organization that they were looking out for his best interest. So he wanted an independent doctor 
to give him a second opinion. He went out and tried to find one. He talked to a couple of different people, but basically lost contact with the team. It was this whole series of drama between him and the front office and Sean Payton. And ultimately, he decided that he was going to have the surgery after talking to an outside consultant. He had the surgery in June to repair the injury. And now he should miss the first six to eight weeks of the regular season. But the Saints are now upset that he took so long to have the surgery. He's still upset with the Saints that they forced him to play through the injury to begin with. It's a it's a whole thing. It's a lot of drama. With Michael Thomas, it feels like there's always a lot of drama. It just feels like this is not going to be a long-term living arrangement at this point. Yeah, it feels like they're not long for, for being together, right? Yeah, this is just probably going to end with Michael Thomas at some point playing elsewhere, and yeah. we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. And what you know, if you're the Saints, you'd love to build around him, right? Because we've seen what he can be when he's fully healthy. But yeah. if it's going to be this much of a headache, right? Eh, the Saints it, realistically probably not a playoff team as a lock anymore. You know what I mean? It's sure. they're not really in that mode anymore. Yeah. The win it all type of thing because Drew's gone. So they might be more willing to just let him go and begin again. With and it folks. depends too on on how. So in terms of fantasy, it's it depends on how your team is built right because right now in adp michael thomas is going at wide receiver 29 he's going in the sixth round and it depends on the league settings that you play with i know the most popular setting out there right now on espn is still two wide receivers and one flex so if you're in a ppr league where you only need three starting wide receivers because yes if, if it's a PPR league and you only have two starting wideouts, then everyone should be playing a wideout in their flex. So More if, than likely. if those are your settings, then basically sixth round, you're looking at Michael Thomas potentially being your fourth wide receiver. And if that's the case, he's a guy who win healthy and playing, no matter who the quarterback is, is a top 15 option. So if you can get him in the sixth round at wide receiver 29, I'm completely comfortable with that. For me and my own personal rankings, I have him ranked at 45. And that's simply because of the fact that when we're building our stuff out, we're building it for the idea that you have to start three a week. So I'm putting him in a territory where I know he's on the back end of my flex rankings because I know I'm going to have to survive for X amount of weeks without him. And I'm more willing to pay up for it as well when you're talking about best ball, because for best ball, as long as you have your starting lineup set, as long as you have your wide receivers ready to go on a weekly basis until he's back, like I said, once he gets back, you should be good. Once he gets back, you should be able to dominate your league with Michael Thomas in your lineup. And on underdog in their best balls, he's right now going in the eighth round. So to get Michael Thomas in the seventh or eighth round to me is a significant value for someone that is potentially your fourth or even in some cases, fifth wide receiver, depending on how you build out your roster. Well, yeah, and we talked about the four games where Taysom Hill was the starter that he yeah. played with Michael Thomas. 
And the fact that Taysom Hill doesn't really appear to be capable of throwing the ball more than 10 yards down the field in a, in a cohesive manner doesn't matter as it relates to Michael Thomas. He's the biggest beneficiary of that. Yeah. So it's, I don't care as, as it relates to Michael Thomas, who the starting quarterback is. It's not material to that conversation. It's really only material to Kamara and to a lesser extent, Latavius Murray. Yeah. It's covered. So Michael Thomas. And, yeah. Totally- to, to your point last year, Again, it's small sample size all around because of the amount of time that he was hurt. But in the three games that he played with Drew Brees when he was healthy, it was on a points per game basis, he was averaging 6.5 fantasy points per game in PPR. And again, that's because one of the games he got hurt, so the numbers were smaller. It's so it's. It's hard to tell. It's kind of a, a wonky sample size. But in the four games that he played with Taysom Hill or that four game split, he was averaging 16.1 points per game during that time. So, like I said, even with Taysom Hill, I'm I'm still good being committed to Michael. Tucker. And yeah, to your point, if he's your fourth wide receiver or even, you know, right. something like that. You're probably going to be a little thin for the first mm-hmm. part of your season in a standard redraft type of situation. Yeah. But you'll deal with that based on the idea that as you get ready for your playoff push, you should be rounding into form and kind of dominating. So if you're drafting your team in such a way that you have appropriate depth, you can probably ride with the fact that you don't have Michael Thomas at the beginning of the season. That's how yeah. deep wide receiver is. Yep. You can just kind of muddle your way through it. So you should be fine. Probably wouldn't want to skimp on the running backs if I was going to try this little strategy. But if it falls to you, it's a it's a good way to it's a good way to go. And the other reason that we spent so much time talking about Michael Thomas is because when you expand out here to the rest of the wide receiver room, there's just not a lot that's going to fill you with a whole lot of confidence here. So there's nobody on this team that's going to necessarily be a threat to Michael Thomas's job while he's away because they have Marquez Callaway, who we've seen at previous iterations in the NFL. It's not really something that you're going to get overly excited about, but he will be starting in place of Michael Thomas. Mm, no, I think you're confusing Marquez Callaway with someone else. Well, I could be, it's, it's not Antonio Callaway and he would be the other Callaway. Was Marquez Callaway drafted by the Saints technically? And yes. Then- Marquez Callaway, this is his second season. He was a seventh round pick last year of the Saints. Uh, uh, Traquan Smith is well, the one. That's not who I'm thinking of, but Traquan Smith is the guy who's been around for quite a while. This is what, year three or four of Traquan? Yeah, he, he, Traquan Smith is the guy that people keep wanting to make a thing and is never actually a thing. Uh, Deontay Harris is another one who's just an okay well, he came guy. In the Cowboys. Yeah. Um, and, so, and, and then little Jordan Humphrey is an, an undrafted pick from last year. So and that, is, and that is his name. It's Lil-Jordan. So yeah. LIL hyphen Jordan Humphrey. So, and, and not something you're going to be investing in from fantasy purposes. So. Right. So none of these guys I would really be interested in investing in other than Marquez Cowell. Everything we've heard is that he is the established locked in no matter what Z receiver, that he is going to be the guy that's going to dominate snaps for them this year. And when Michael Thomas is back, he is still going to have a role. He's still going to be out there doing something as the number one on the outside. But I think he's going to lead the team in targets when Michael Thomas is gone at the beginning of the season dealing with his injury. And if we're right about this, ultimately leading to a breakup with Michael Thomas and he gets traded 
when he comes back or before he comes back. Marquez Callaway is easily the number one wide receiver on this team in my book. And he's a guy that you can have in the 15th round right now in ADP. So he's free. I would absolutely take a shot on Marquez Callaway because the ceiling is there. He's a talented guy and all our reports from training camp thus far has, have been, he is the clear cut number one, whether it's Jameis or Taysom Hill, they love passing the ball to Marquez Callaway to the point where they're, they're playing him on limited snaps in the preseason because they don't want him to get hurt and they no longer have him running special teams because he is such a huge part of their offense. And and just to put a fine point on that too, even with all the positive positivity there, I do Mm -hmm. just want folks to have a sense of context. Marquez Callaway is projected at wide receiver 51 in our projections Mm -hmm. and is kind of what's his ADP right now. I can't imagine that it's that I said it's the 15th round. Okay, so if that's going to be the price tag, then absolutely, sure. You've got you've got some upside on that, and he's got he's got an established role. But the other interesting thing here is that you know there's there's quite a bit to go around too, because Emmanuel Sanders is also gone, who was mm-hmm. there for a while for a cup of coffee. So there's plenty of opportunity to go around. It's just they're not going to be running three wide like they used to, right? We talked about twelve personnel, yeah, in uh, in the last show. And I think there's going to be a little bit of a scheme change here where in the past they would always, they would pretty much always be an 11 personnel and they would go three wide. And now with Drew Brees gone, I don't think you're going to see quite as much of that. When Taysom Hill's out there, they run a lot more 12 personnel because they just run the ball so much more. So you get an extra tight end on the field to help block. So that's, that's going to be an adjustment scheme wise that I think you'll see, especially if Taysom Hill is named a starter, they're going to be running a lot more 12 personnel. So realistically, as far as wide receivers go, I don't know that they could support more than two effectively with, yeah. with Callaway and Thomas out there when, if, and when he does come back. So for now, yes, Antonio or Marquez Callaway. Sure. If that's something you want to invest in at the back half of your draft, right at the end of your draft fire away, because you could get some significant upside out of it, but there's a reason why he's still being drafted down that low. We just, there's too much uncertainty here. We just don't know. And talking about tight end for a moment there too, this is the other one where it <laughs> stop us if you've heard this before. It's a little murky. You've got Adam Adam Troutman, uh, our guy, coming back. On paper, he was he. This was meant to be his ascension year, to yeah. really step up and become that primary tight end for the Saints. And they also have Nick Vanette, who is a serviceable NFL level player, but he's really there to block. We've seen Nick Vanette at previous stops along the way in his NFL career. And that's really what he does. He's a blocking tight end. But there's even further confusion here because you have you have another tight end that is stepping up that now coming out of camp theoretically is playing better than Adam than Adam Troutman. So Steve, I'll let you get into it here. Who's who's causing all this confusion? Yeah, Juwan Johnson, who we have listed as a wide receiver, drafted as a wide receiver, has been playing tight end. Uh, And he is actually, at this point, dominating the preseason in terms of targets and seems to be winning the tight end one job away from Adam Trotman. So there is a definite possibility that, again, shout out to our guy, Nee Wallace Bruce, wide receiver that converts to tight end, has the possibility to be a legitimate threat. Now, again, it's somebody in a very deep league 
dynasty league where you've got like 30 or 25 spots, whatever, that Juwan Johnson is a name you want to know, that he's a guy that you want to have on the back end of your bench to potentially have a role this year and have a breakout season. But Adam Trotman to me is still the guy who has the talent. He just needs to be given the opportunity. I think he's going to lead the tight end room in targets by the end of this season. But right out of the gate, it, it feels like he's not going to have first crack at that job. And they may be running more 12 personnel than we realize to have both Johnson and Trotman available, especially with them being so weak at wide receiver. And particularly because you would you could you would really value an extra bigger body out there if Taysom Hill is going to be doing meaningful work for you because you're just going to need to run the ball more. It's yeah. just going to be how you have to adjust schematically to account for your personnel. Yeah. And as as much as we kind of dump on Sean Payton's decision making sometimes, he's I don't think he's that far gone. I think he would know that. And yeah. So I would be expecting that adjustment to be coming. Yeah. And and to be fair, right now in ADP, uh, Adam Trotman is going at tight end twenty. So he is going at, let's see, 159. He's going in the middle of the 14th round, which would be right in line with I've got him projected on our projections at tight end. So that's pretty much right where we've got him. I feel like the upside, I've got him at my tight end 25 in my rankings just because I don't, That's it's a function of the quarterbacks. A lot of the Saints in my rankings are lower than I would, have them if I knew who was throwing them the ball. That's just the advice for the whole team. That's yeah. why we spend so much time on quarterback at the start of the show because it, it feeds into everything. Because I have yeah. Trotman at 27, and I just have very little confidence that we know enough yet to really want to get too invested in any of these guys. Yep. And realistically speaking, I mean, if you break down the advice that we've given throughout the entirety of the show, just to crystallize the whole show, you can still feel free to draft Alvin Kamara in a, as a top five pick, but be 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 aware of the idea that that's more risky than in other years and then realistically sure get 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 Latavius Murray at the end of your draft and if you want to get Marquez Callaway at the end of your of your draft sure but who else have we talked about that we've actually been recommending actually drafting i th- i would argue that's the list cuz you're not drafting Adam Troutman at where we have him unless it's like I'm, literally I'm fine if you take Adam Troutman at the end as your tight end too there's there's just nobody you'd want as a starter Exactly. So there's effectively one starter on on the Saints uh, coming into this year. So it's not your it's not your it's not your father's New Orleans Saints team. Uh, let's just say that. So is there anybody else that we want to talk about? Is there anybody else that we think might be relevant? It's also worth noting that uh, Will Lutz, normally a top three to five kicker that people want to draft, is hurt. Is going to miss the first half of the season here. So Brett Maher has that job now, but when you're in your draft, if you're normally one of those guys that's auto, oh, I'm either Justin Tucker or Will Lutz here. Don't do not do that with Will Lutz this year. That's correct. It Will Lutz was, is- was down on Lutz anyway because I'm down on the offense in general scoring points. But yeah, for sure now he's hurt. He's got a core injury. He's going to miss the first half of the season. You do not want Will Lutz. You really don't want to hear core injury when it relates to kicker to the extent that kicker matters. And then the defense is the defense. It's 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 not the worst defense in the league, but it's certainly not the best defense in the league anymore. And they are going to be available to you. They're projected to be a top 10 defense by a lot of outlets, but just be prepared for the idea that that defense is not necessarily as much of a lock as it's been in previous years. 
So I would temper expectations for that just in general. I also think they're probably going to have to spend a little bit more time out on the field than they've had to in other years, just by they're not going to move the ball as effectively. So I certainly wouldn't overpay for the uh, for the Saints defense. If, if you're one of those guys who's been who's been riding the Saints defense in, in leagues for year on year and just it's been it's been a thing. I'm not as sold on that defense as I was in other years. So do you do you, or do you look at them, Steve, as a defense that's being rated in the top 10 that likely won't finish in the top 10? Because that's kind of how I I look at it. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I wouldn't want to get too invested in it. And so beyond that, that's your New Orleans Saints football club for 2021, folks. It is not it is not your dad's Saints team. So keep all of that in mind as you're as you're rolling through the days of you want all these Saints is is officially coming to a close here. So we wish them luck as they try to rebuild that franchise and uh, see if they can continue to try and remain relevant. But I think you and I both have our doubts about that. Speaking of things that we have our doubts about in the listening world. Tomorrow, we're going to sit down and talk about the New York football dumpster fire. I mean, Giants, excuse me. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm Freudian slip there. So tune in. Tune in for that and uh, get your uh, get your Saquon jersey on, folks. We'll catch you tomorrow. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at ImportantNonsense.com. Kaboom!